What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. And it's not just me. I have lots of people to introduce today. We have Mr. Rob Bogan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Which everybody knows. It's not like it's a secret. Everybody knows Rob. <laughs> but we also have the star of Starting Sustainability, Kaylin, and I always mess up your last name, Chenoweth. You got it. Nailed That's it. right. Nice. Kaylin Chenoweth. <laughs> Hello. Good to be back. This is our third crossover event. It is. And first I think time with Rob. Yeah, this is it, first we had a big way. gap there for a second. Been a while, but I'm glad we get to do this again. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And and no one can see this at the moment unless we turn this into a video. But she's actually in orbit, so her background is like the cockpit of a uh, <laughs> rock, some kind of spaceship. And, and I just can't stop like looking at that whole thing. So if I get distracted, just know it's her fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, that's what I wanted to be as a kid. I wanted to be an astronaut. Then my older sister was like, that's too much math. You're probably going to want to do something else. <laughs> I was like, okay, I just listened to my older sister. But hey, I could have been an astronaut. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, just so you know, if you go onto Facebook and type in live launch, there's a Facebook site where it will like let you know there's people on there chatting about aerospace stuff. There's a group. I, I accidentally created it for family members so they would tell kids with, when they can watch a rocket launch. It was going to be this inspiring thing for STEM and exactly zero of my family members actually took advantage of it. But there's about 50,000 people on there now. So if you want to get alerts or have people tell you when there's going to be a rocket launch to watch streaming live, there you go. Excellent. Thank you for doing that. So, Kaylin, how the heck have you been? It feels like it's been forever. Well, it has been forever. Let me see. Let me recap the past year for you. We moved two hours away. We're remodeling a house straight out of the 70s. The first thing we did was get rid of the mustard yellow walls and the avocado walls. Um, I had another baby, so I'm up to three now. She is five months old. Her name is Hazley. So well, congratulations. Hazley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colt just had his birthday. So I got an almost five-year-old, a three-year-old, and now a five-month-old. We got chickens back in the fall. So we're figuring that out. So we okay. are now, yeah, we got a rooster and two chickens. And uh, I had some precancerous cells on my back. So I got those hacked out of me two days ago. So I got a lot of stitches in my back. So that's been my world in a nutshell. So we can't really stress you out much then. You just got <laughs> back from what sounds like surgery. Yeah. Life comes at you fast. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been? 
Oh my goodness. Well, let's go to Rob. Then Okay. Me. How have you Rob, been, Rob? You know, I am I'm existing. I'm floating around just, you know, doing the thing, recording, writing, living, breathing, just enjoying stuff, man. I I am uh I have no complaints right now. I'm good. Excellent. So it has been a year. So Let's see, what has happened in the last year? I got promoted to the point of incompetence. So I, I am an engineer, but I'm, I've been up, moved to a level in which I don't know what I'm doing, which is pretty fun. So there's that. So you're a manager? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am. I'm a technical lead, but I applied for the management side, the deal with people side, and they gave me the technical lead. So that's fun. But we're learning it. We're getting it under control. And there's no job. I don't think any adult really knows their job when they first start them. So I just kind of wing it for a little bit and make friends and we go from there. Dabble is still alive and kicking. I'm here in the basement. We're now doing way more tutoring, way more STEM. There's a lot of things, events happening here on a regular basis. We're getting more rentals and we're well known. Uh, realistic sustainability is obviously still running. We're, we're having a good time with that. Uh, get opportunities to do some public speaking and uh, still doing the STEM stuff. So at this point, I think I've got myself to where I'm doing about 12 to 16 hours a day. So I may have to back that down because that's not necessarily sustainable. But Edible Landscape is coming up. I have 650 plants in my living room as I'm, a, well, attempting to grow 650 plants. I'm We'll see how many actually grow, but fall horticulture has sent me like 23,000 seeds to help with edible landscape. Blue Cross Blue Shield gave us $2,000 and asked us to put in a garden that they could maintain. And we are work. That's a good deal. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so it's expanding. And I still get to run around talking about kindness projects here in the wintertime. One of my employees came up with a uh, warmth tree. So we had a Christmas tree out front of the building filled with hats and gloves and scarves. And the local senior center started knitting and kept that tree full all winter long. Anybody could walk by and take anything that they needed just to stay warm through the winter. So we've got to do a lot of fun stuff too. No surgeries though. <laughs> hey, overall phenomenal, but I think you need to add some chickens to the mix. Oh, can't have chickens where I live. Remember I was in that meeting and people were very, very angry. Oh, Nope, no chickens. So um, far to go. And it used to be Nick that had the chickens. Remember, he had chickens, but he just moved to. <laughs> None of his chickens hey. stayed at the house. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure what happened there. Who knows? I was going to say, I forgot to mention, so I am a registered dietitian by trade. That's what I got my degree in, and I've been doing that for 10 years. Part of this move, in order to work from home more often, I took an HR position. So I'm telling you, as a new manager who doesn't know what you're doing, you have about four to six months to figure it out. After that, they're going to start cracking the whip on you. Okay. <laughs> well, I got time then. Okay. So I'm about three and a half in. So I think we're okay. We'll figure it out. But thank you. I appreciate the heads up. I'll start having some urgency around six. Um, so this week, since we have everybody together and we have a dietitian, which I think is going to give us some keen insight on this, we're going to talk about grocery stores. And I mean this in a kind of a broad way. I want to look at you know some of the history. How did we get to this mess that we have now? And let's look at the trend when it comes to technology of where I think it's going or where we, we think it's going. And then let's re-envision it. Let's say in a perfect world, we take all of our expertise and say what it should be. Sound good? Sounds great. I feel like I'm I need Rob it. to say it's okay. No, I'm with it, man. I'm, I'm ready. I have lots of little 
things buzzing around in my brain and I'm just waiting for the perfect time to throw them out there. So let's do it. All right. Cause we, we, we know the grocery store started from the convenience store or the corner shop, if you will, that old 1800s, the supply store. Right. And as it continued on, it became what we see as a grocery store. But today there's a lot of different kinds of grocery stores, not only, and I'm going to skip the Flint side because we have food deserts in a lot of areas here that don't have grocery stores. And those, I'm not going to count the gas station with an apple on the counter. We're just going to go with what is the grocery stores and and that's going to be it. So right now you see the mom and pop shops. There's still some where they're smaller and some of the smaller corporate. We have like one that's called Riverside here. That's a much smaller version of a, of a Kroger or a Meyer. But we do still see a few with last names, in Michigan at least. Then you have, and those are smaller, right? Those are grocery store with very little addition. Yeah, you might be able to get a light bulb or, you know, something like that. But really, it's grocery store. Then we have big box. Remember, we went through this whole process of now we want everything in one place. And now we have the big box store where now you can get groceries and oil for your car and a new workout machine and maybe a new plant before you leave all in one place. And then COVID hit and everything turned into this online stuff. So Rob, did I hit them all or is there something else I'm missing there? Um, Yeah, you got everything for the most part. I know that there are some really cool hybrid style grocery stores that I want to touch on, but I will wait until we get to the reimagined part because they fit in that section a little bit better. But yes, to talk to your point about the smaller mom and pop grocery stores or markets, I live right around the corner from a spot called Nearings. And it's just a local mom and pop little market. You can get, you know, your fresh meat, fresh veggies, fresh fruits. And I try to shop there as much as I can because... It's local for one, you know, you're, you're as close to farm to table as you're going to get when it comes to the fresh meat and things like that. But you also have some of the same amenities as some of your big box retailers. So yeah, you can go in there, you can get, you know, birthday cards and thank you cards. You can get the super processed frozen foods, hungry man meals. If you want something like that, you have your juices and things. So it's a, it's a nice little combination of the two. And Kaylin, you live in a whole different state. Do you have some of these mom and pop places still around or is it starting to kind of get all bought out into these corporate styles? I grew up in Fowler, Indiana, and there are about 500 people there. That's the population. We had an IGA. That's what I saw. A lot of small towns in my area. Everybody had an IGA. It might be Fuller's IGA, like it was last name IGA. So that's what I think of when you talk about the mom and pop places and then just moving around the country a few times, I think of some of the international markets would also be really small, especially going to Purdue University. There'd be an international market there. When I lived in Austin, San Antonio, there's international grocery stores there as well. So that was kind of cool. That's what I'm thinking of. And the other thought that I had, oh, what I wanted to share, (laughs) you're talking about the history of grocery stores, Mm -hmm. Piggly Wiggly. That was the very first grocery store was the Piggly Wiggly. Yes, it sure was. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> so it was, think of way back before the before Piggly Wiggly, 
before that, it was everybody would go to market and you'd have just like we have our farmers markets now, that's what they had. And it was outdoor and you had to go stall to stall. Then Piggly Wiggly created all, all encompassed one place inside. So you didn't have to worry about bad weather, go to multiple places to make multiple purchases all at the same trip. So that's kind of like the beginning of the grocery store turning and then when you get to Walmart, Kmart, that's when they start adding in all of the other stuff that you can go, not just the food, but everything else. But that's coming there. And I do remember, I don't remember what year it was. Maybe you guys can help me out. But at one point in time, Amazon purchased Whole Foods and they were working up where you could buy your groceries online. That was before the pandemic. I know they purchased them before the pandemic. I don't know what their timeline was for launch, if the pandemic just happened to line up with it or if the pandemic sped it up. That part I'm a little fuzzy on. So, you know, I'm kind of a computer nerd with a lot of things. (laughs) Amazon, when they do this, and I'll get us back on track, I promise. But before they bought Whole Foods, they were still doing grocery. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they built an algorithm if people bought it, the price went up. If people didn't buy it, the price went down. This is back when they used to have uh, add-on items when Amazon, where you could get something like shockingly cheap as long as you bought a few things that were normal price and you spent over $25. Well, one of the things I had learned was if I checked it on a daily basis, I would get things ridiculously low because it's moving through this ebb and flow up and down. And remember, if you're buying from New York, you're buying from California, you're really inflating the national price. But if things slip through the cracks or someone didn't tag it correctly, it's like these little breakfast bars. And I couldn't, I I can't remember the name of them for the life of Okashi. And I was getting them for 17 cents a box. So you would just take as many as they had available. And then the next day, the price would be five or six dollars a box and you'd wait. And then it would drop back down because it was miscoded in the system. So I was constantly searching at Amazon <laughs> to manipulate it. But they got in trouble for it during the pandemic because Lysol got to be around five or $600 a can. Yep. Oh. <laughs> because no one thought about it. It was just if they buy it, it goes up. If it doesn't, it goes down. It's just a normal capitalism system. Well, during the pandemic, everybody was rushing to get whatever they could, and that then it then they got sued for gouging and had to go prove they didn't mean it. But little side story there for everybody. But it's the, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a good uh, algorithm that I can manipulate. It's super fun. So what I liked about the original shops is everything was local. Uh, there it there wasn't a lot of transportation. Yeah, the train was in town and you could get certain things in bulk through the train, but they were things that were, kept, you know, that kept the flour, the the seed for the farms, these kinds of things. But almost everything was something local. Now, up where it gets cold, it was hard to get your fruits and vegetables in the winter time, so they they would can whatever was starting to go bad, save that and then put it on the shelves come cold seasons, you know? So we, we did have kind of a sustainable process in the beginning. I personally think, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, as transportation became more abundant, as we had more ability and more accessibility, this is what allowed us to get things from further and further out. And that's what drug us into this first big kind of grocery store because they could go down south where they're still growing, bring it back up to here in Michigan. And next thing you know, we had corn on the cob still. 
So, Caitlin, well, so what do you think about how my mind and how that worked? Do you think that makes sense or you have a different concept? It, it does. I think that's a major factor. One small outlier that popped into my brain was the spice trade. You know, I'm talking about like going over to India and the spice trade. And that mm -hmm. was, I don't know the year. Sorry, I'm not a history. I do enjoy history. I just don't remember the dates. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't say I'm not a history person. I am. I just, I'm not above to where I just remember all the facts. But I was like, there was some global trading going on with it literally international a long time ago but yes with the with transportation that did help speed up bringing that in and something i don't know if you want to put this here or if you want to edit this and move it but i do think it's kind of fascinating to point out that people were eating what was local and sometimes what was local would go bad very quickly and that helped shape what we deem as a normal breakfast for us that's where the concept of sausage and bacon came from because we had a lot of pigs especially down in the south like the javelinas and like the wild the wild boars down there so people would come and that's like that's also what forced our breakfast into america so we also have like a warped view on what is a normal breakfast if you go to other countries they eat a lot of other different things but that's why we have that one of the things that would last a while and transport well was cereal and that's also why that became a big push and a big phenomenon just a tidbit there you go. I've always been curious about that myself. Like, it, it was it was it originally spurred on by transportation, or was it one of those things where it was like, okay, well, you can only get this one thing in this one certain area, but if we could find a way to make a deal to get it over here, charge twice as much for it, and and market it that way, like maybe that maybe that's how those things started to happen. Like, yeah, okay you can't get corn in this side of the world because of, you know, weather conditions and things like that. But let's say we pay somebody to, you know, export it over to us so that we have it readily available whenever we want to sell it. And because we are paying them to bring it to us, we can then charge people twice as much to make up for our costs that way. I've always wondered, like, is, is that, does that play a, a role in it as well? I feel like the, the, the companies trying to make money is always there. I think what what allowed them to do it is that additional transportation. And I can give an example because the next example is how big box happened. And that is in the 80s, as we were slowly trying to make bigger stores or more convenient stores. And by the way, nothing is more of an enemy of sustainability than convenience. <laughs> when, if you study history, it just makes all the hair. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> and the 80s is one of the worst periods of time. Not that we opened trade to the world, but what we did is we opened the world, uh, opened up the United States to, dis to disposability. Things were really, really cheap, way cheaper than expected. So we could have all this stuff brought in. So now you had grocery stores going, yeah, I think we can carry all the utensils. Well, you know what? We could probably carry plates at this price. If no one buys them, we'll use them because they're like a nickel. And next thing you know, more and more items. In the 80s, you had people who were just purely import-export people. It's You hear it in movies all the time. What are you in? Import-export. What does that mean? No one really knew, but that's what it was. Is what else can I get in your store? What else can I get to you? And this is how these individual stores went to malls. This is how these individual stores went to these colossal buildings because they could fill it with all these things, decimating all those ones who didn't. 
Yeah, I was about to say is it's it's funny watching you know in popular media and in pop culture anything from the 80s you know there's always some sort of mall at the center of every single conflict and and you get to take that kind of walk down memory lane where you know you would go from having these smaller mom and pop bookstores to having like the one giant walden books inside of the mall and that would you know put put the uh, the mom and pop place out of business or you had the added convenience of all these extra big box retailers in one central location. Yeah, convenience. Mm-hmm. Kaylin, so when you look at big box stores, how do you see them now? Because you've been doing sustainability for a long time. When you look at a big box store, what do you see? I cringe. <laughs> I, I do believe that those exist purely because of accessibility. We turned the world into one big accessible space. And now, now with when COVID hit, it kind of changed some things. Some of these monstrous big box stores who have been dominant their whole lives are now finding themselves in a very unique situation. Online has kind of taken over. Again, convenience, has taken another step, not necessarily helpful for st- sustainability, um, but it, it can be debated. It can be debated depending on how they operate. Because here's the deal. <clears throat> if big box company A has a thousand buildings with a thousand electrical bills and 300 warehouses and all the distribution from spot to spot to spot to spot, moving product from all over the world in because remember big box has the largest reach they get it for the cheapest price usually from places where they're exploiting workers which is even worse but they can do that stuff but if you're online do you need that kind of reach do you need that all those buildings and that's when you start to wonder okay if we're if we're really looking at sustainability which one's better kaylin have you thought about any of those before well Yes and no. I have a lot of thoughts going through my head, so I'm going to try to present them in a logical manner. Throw them out there. (laughs) Okay, all right. We've got the big box stores, and yeah, you've got them buying stuff from all over the place. Everything is packaged, usually in plastic and styrofoam, because that is lightweight. Previously, like when the trains first started, we would ship the whole entire cow, butcher it on site, or we would have everything in glass jars. That then plastic came about. So shipping and freight is now significantly, it's cut in half and it lasts longer because it's not breaking. So that's, you know, anti sustainability <laughs> mark number one. We've got all that going on. And you're right, it's transported in into a distribution center, then it's transported to the stores where it's all packaged up. And then so it's packaged up at the distribution center, sent to the store, it's unpackaged, put on the shelves, or we take it, we put it in plastic bags. So that way we can take it to our house. We can take all those plastic bags and throw them in one gigantic plastic trash can. So it's, it's the, uh, the layers of plastic just in all the transportation is insane. I don't know what it is, but it's gotta be like 19, 20 times that it's gotta be wrapped up and unwrapped with all these different shipping methods. And that's crazy. Part of the online experience, and this is happening now, when you go to Amazon, you can see the climate friendly pledge. You can see like which items are more sustainable or not. Re-envisioning, jumping ahead a little bit. I hope that they're doing that for all the food stuff and marking it because that would help. And now all this stuff is going to an Amazon warehouse and it just goes straight to us. So we're cutting out a lot of steps. So that's helpful. 
But what I do see, especially in my area and in Franklin, Indiana, Whiteland, Indiana, they are building Amazon buildings, just just whole bunches of Amazon distribution centers. We had tornadoes come through a couple of weeks ago. So one of them is decimated, but they're going to be rebuilding that apparently. <laughs> but those are now getting you have farmland that is being bought up and turned into distribution centers. And at the same time, you've got big box stores closing down. So now you're using a whole lot of new material to build these and you have old buildings just sitting empty. I feel there could be more efficiency in the sustainability chain where they could just be using the old stores and repurposing them. But that's not how the world works. So there's all my thoughts. Rob, your turn. Go. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, as I as I listen to you talk, and I was going to save this for a little bit later, but I might as well throw it out there now since we're kind of on the subject, especially during the onset of COVID. You know, we, we saw how people got their groceries change as well. You know, it, it went from, you know, the entire family making a trip to the grocery store to the rise of Instacart and and um, shipped and things like that. Or picked and, up at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, the the, the pickup services. And speaking specifically about the, the grocery delivery services, I am often curious how that impacts sustainability as well, because even though there's still, you know, one person going to the grocery store and they're getting the plastic bags or paper bags and things like that, it still seems like it it may have gotten worse because again instead of having the one family take their one vehicle to the store to go get their groceries and then maybe the following week the next family in the neighborhood goes and does the same thing you kind of see all these different cars dropping off groceries at different houses now so there's more cars on the road, which is more energy being used. There's more plastics out in the wild because, you know, bags will always end up on the road somewhere. Um, and the packaging, like people tend to buy a bit more when they're not leaving their home because they, they want to make sure that they have everything there. Whereas when you go to the grocery store yourself, you're a little more mindful about the things that you have to pick up. So I'm curious what, what you guys, because you, you like to look at the numbers and the facts and things, <laughs> I'm curious how you think that impacts um, the, the sustainability side of things. I know it was meant to be a safety measure, but somewhere along the lines, there had to have been an increase in materials used, energy use. Oh, significantly. So previous, prior to COVID, I would go to the store and bring all my little reusable bags. COVID hit and two weeks later I had a baby. So now I have a newborn and everybody's absolutely terrified of getting this disease that's going to kill us. Right. And I was terrified of me getting it and giving it to my newborn at that moment in time. So for the first time ever, I did a Walmart pickup and it was amazing. They, I just sat there and they brought it out to my car. I was like, wow, I got 45 minutes of my life back. <laughs> and I didn't have to bring my toddler with me. So that part's pretty nice. The part that sucks is that Walmart, I shouldn't say just Walmart, maybe a whole bunch of grocery stores do this. I can only talk to Walmart because that's the one that I tried it with. They tend to put one or two items per bag. So if you order 35 items, you're getting 20 to 35 bags mm -hmm. with one item each. That drives me nuts. And I do remember having the conversation with the person. I said, if I bring reusable bags, can we put them all in the reusable bags? And she was like, no, because of COVID, everybody was so afraid. Like for a while they had banned reusable bags because of COVID. So they were so afraid of that. So yes, I do agree. The, the 
amount of plastic significantly increased just by the bags alone. And it is frustrating when somebody else is going shopping for me, I might only get one apple and they'll put it in a plastic bag so that way they can put it in a plastic bag. <laughs> when right. I go by myself, I just grab the one apple and put it straight on the conveyor belt so they can ring it up. There's no right. reason. It's, it's a lot of plastic bags. It's insane. Um, I do think that with a delivery service, either Walmart delivery, Instacart, or whatever the case may be, shipped, you now have one person going shopping and then they can go be efficient and hit five or six drop-offs. So maybe, hopefully, that we're a little bit better on carbon emissions in that aspect. But yeah, the plastic totally went through the roof. So I have another, I have another story. Let's hear it. So I always do the grocery shopping because I don't want to have to bail my wife out of prison or jail. So I've always <laughs> been the person who goes. And she knows it. She's going to hear this. She'll nod. Mm -hmm. But I'm always the person who goes. Well, you know, COVID and this and that. So I started delivery systems. I know that they're taking multiple orders and I know for sure because one time a, a ordered from one of the local big box and they were going to deliver it for me at, and I, Jamie's a night owl, you know, so I go to bed early cause I'm old. She's young and stays up longer so I can set a delivery at maybe 11 o'clock and it's right in her wheelhouse. I will be unconscious. Well, at 11 o'clock, there was no food on the porch, which I, by the way, I also like it just showing up on the porch like elves left it there. <laughs> but uh, by midnight, there was nothing. At one o'clock, she decided I'm going to bed. Something must have happened. They probably text Mike's phone, heads to bed. She wakes up at two o'clock in the morning to the slamming door of a U-Haul truck. Someone had rented a U-Haul truck, accepted as many orders as they possibly could. And I, cause I had gotten a text message while I was unconscious. that was like, sorry, I have a few more orders to do. I'll be there as soon as I can. I've got five more stops. Like they are just loading up 10 or 15 orders <laughs> and then taking a U-Haul truck around the neighborhoods. They're all about efficiency. <laughs> Apparently so. Off all of our groceries. Jamie was not happy about that, that time. But in most cases, Rob, you're talking about, it used to be me driving there, and now this person, that's still a person driving. They're just mm -hmm. taking more orders. So if hopefully, and I don't know because I don't do this, I don't work for ship during these companies, hopefully you can pick ones that are near each other and be able to get five or six orders because I know what they're doing. They're putting the bags together. They're carabining the handles together. They're setting them so they know which ones are which. And I also know because sometimes they get other people's things. Yes. So yeah, we've had that happen quite a bit. <laughs> so... I know they're doing these multiple orders. So when it comes to how the store works, it is a little more efficient. It's great for my time and it's, and it's more useful for me, but Kaylin's right. I can't control how they get it to me. I can't control if they're going to put them in every item in a separate bag. Now I live in a different world. That's a little bit easier. I can use those bags, those bags. And in case anybody's wondering, this is true. You come to dabble. It is all of my old grocery bags. If you're buying something from Dabble and it goes in a bag, it used to probably have my apple in it. But it, it is stuff that we can reuse in that way or it goes into a STEM class. But I would prefer that there should be a checkbox that allows them to use their own reusable bags or allow me to have a reusable bag sitting on the porch where they can just transfer it in and then they continue to use theirs. 
there should be some kind of system like that so that we're not just using plastic bags. And I think we'll get there as soon as we ban them like Hawaii and other places. Yep. I would love to see that for sure. And, and I think, um, part of me, like, I, I like, I like the idea of, of what you see and like where, you know, people can kind of transport out of one bag and into another. But I think also like the reason they don't do that is, is there's obvious concerns of, you know, food safety and, and things like that too. Like we, you don't want we, raw turkey juice all over your apples? Yeah. 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 I would, I would not. I would, <laughs> Salmonella is <laughs> not appealing to you right now? <laughs> not at the current moment. No. I would no. be even comfortable that if, cause I have my own bags that there's a checkbox that says I have nine bags and that when they drop off, they'll put everything in my nine bags, their nine bags, and take mine when they leave. Some kind of system. I'm sure we can come up with it. The amount of boxes that grocery stores go through, have you ever been to a wholesale club like Sam's Club or BJ's or Costco? They just have bought for the, because they don't do bags there because everything is so big, but they've got the boxes. I'm like, why don't you put all of our stuff in a box and bring that to us? We can reuse the box. We can give the box back. If you make it like a plastic tote that can easily be rinsed. Now, of course, you're adding on a laundry service that would have to be washed, whatever. But that would be part of an exchange. If you've ever done imperfect produce or misfit markets, everything's delivered in a box. And then they've got insulated bags that you can return. So the next time they do your delivery, they would just pick that up. If we offered an incentive, sorry, I'm totally jumping ahead on the re-envisioning part. But if we offered an incentive of people deliver me my groceries and then in reusable bags or reusable tote, then the next time I will give them the old one and I get a dollar off, like they charge, you know, just do a deposit, charge a deposit. Mm -hmm. I give it back. I get a discount, even though it's really the same money being recycled, but that deposits motivate everybody. That's why all these with your quarter quarter. at the car, that works. They don't have to pay anybody to go collect carts because everybody wants their 25 cents back with today's (laughs) inflation. That 25 cents doesn't do Jack at a gumball machine, but everybody wants that quarter back. So they're willing to go and deliver those grocery carts themselves. Aldi again has the boxes. Just bring your own bags or you're taking a box. Also great. Right. Just so wanted to interject that. There's which by the way, just real quick fact, it cost one point seven cents to make a penny. So uh, some of these things are becoming very obsolete. But there's even a next step. Right now we're talking about delivering, getting the delivery from a place we know that we know that is the store that it's coming from. There's others. There is, I mean, Amazon does some of this, but Shop Food ER and uh, Akado. Akado, I just saw online, it's a three football field warehouse. Everything's underneath the floor and the bag is on these little robot carts. And it looks like three football fields of grid. And so when an order comes in, the technician, there is still a human in the building, says, these are the dry goods, these are the fruits and vegetables, and these are the meats. And it schedules them into different bags, and the robots take off. And they run around this whole floor, moving within five millimeters of each other, letting things get put in the bags, move over to the end. And then a person is there to say, this is the order, those are correct, takes those out, puts them in the boxes, and ship. And they're ready for shipping. They can do an order for shipping um, every five minutes. With I have not thousands. heard this. It's called Akado. How do you spell that? O C A D O. Thousands of little bots. Yeah, I bet it's more accurate than <laughs> anybody who does the shopping for us. 
Absolutely. Um, and again, I'm an engineer, so I have feelings about that. You're excited. I, <laughs> it's as cool. much as my dad yells at me. I'm not me, an engineer. I'm excited. <laughs> much as my dad yells at me for replacing like stations with robots, you know, sometimes you pay for a 200% check, which by the way is two people, not 200%. But you stop in to see why there's a mistake and there's one guy with two markers. So I really like the robot idea. They're very accurate. Now, these grocery stores, Amazon, their packing is done by what looks to be massive Roombas. And they don't go get the product. They go get the whole shelf. So the worker stays in like a pod in one spot. And these like room massive, super industrial Roombas bring whole shelves to the people who take the item and put it in the box. And it drives the shelf back. And another shelf shows up and they take it and put it in the box. So we have massive amount of automation happening. Amazon also in Seattle has a store that you just walk into, take everything you want, yes, and you leave. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring that up. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I'm excited for that door. You, I'm excited for that to come to Indiana. <laughs> yeah, there's no registers. There's no everything is gravity fed stock. You know, once a week they go in. With, and reload the clips of everything, I guess. I don't I don't know. And you just walk in. It tells you, yep, you're good to go because it, it won't let you in if, you, if you're not registered. But once you're registered with your credit card or whatever you have, you can go and just take. And when you leave, you'll get an alert on your phone that says, yep, this is how much it was. Here's a list of your things. Have a great day. Yep, I can just walk in, put the items that I want straight into the bag, Mm-hmm. And more than one item per bag, by the way, 12, 15 <laughs> items per bag <laughs> right there in my cart <laughs> and then just walk right out. Yeah, I think that's great. You can quite literally just fill your cart and then just walk it out and just put it in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it, you have like a tote in my trunk and just throw everything in there. So all I have to do is take the tote into the house. Mm-hmm. So there's a, the, the amount of differences out there right now. I think gives us a ton of opportunity to pick and choose different things. One thing I don't find on online is bulk. I would still yeah. like to see in person. bulk stores be a thing. And I don't mean Sam's. I don't mean Costco. I don't need, you know, a jar of pickles that I can fit in. I mean where you can get pancake mix you bring your own container in you hit the little thing and you've already weighed it and you're good to go and it's and it's cheaper but you you don't have to worry about the packaging these kinds of things more than the costco's because i do because i own this pace i do have an account with costco but all those places are are really big supplies of tiny multi-packaged items yeah so i'm just if I use them more often, I'm just going to use more packaging. They're, it's not the bulk mindset, really. It's just a lot of little. Do you, do you think that people, I'm sorry, Kayla, um, do you think that people tend to overconsume in places like that too because you have the ability to, to buy so much stuff? Like maybe you don't need six pounds of ground beef, but because it's there and you can buy but it. But it was on like sale. Right. Like, <laughs> like it's on sale. I had so to I get, gotta it. get it. Yeah. Do you, do you guys think that that like that that leads to, you know, in, in the in the vein of sustainability specifically is kind of like, 
um, you know, the I call them the junk aisles at the grocery store. You know, there's always that one aisle right before you get to the checkout. It's, the, it's like the video game final boss where you got all the random knickknacks over in the corner. And you, the probably no, no would, you would never <laughs> think to get that. But you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I probably should buy this 18 pack of, of chapstick because it's here <laughs> and it's convenient and it's winter and my lips are dry. So I should probably get that. I've always wanted a flashlight for a pencil. I would love this collapsible (laughs) umbrella. Like, do you you guys think that people people are not necessarily suckered, but they're more um, enticed into buying more than what they need simply because it's available? Four thousand percent, yes. Yep, it's available. It's a good deal, and it looks cute. Marketing has has a good marketing plays a major factor in that they got a lot of people doing research on you put things at eye level because you want that if you have your kid in your grocery cart all the kids cereals at the kid eye level so that way the kid is begging mom mom i want that and the adult healthy stuff is up at the top (laughs) the expensive stuff is right where your eyes are (laughs) so yes there's a lot of research into that well and remember we waste 40 percent of our food so just by that stat we're obviously buying more than we need. One thing I've learned is some companies have turned shopping into a sport. And I have family members who at times will buy something that was considered to be on sale and they will say, I won this. And my answer is, so you got it for free? No, no, I was able to get it because you know they use scarcity and all these different ways to be able to manipulate the consumer. So people are excited, absolutely, and just beyond excited to overspend and overcommit to their need. Think about Sam's Club and Costco. How many things in that store does a normal family need to buy at that level? Because we're, again, we're not doing it in bulk per se. We're not getting a lot in a, in a big container. We're getting a bunch of containers. So you could have gone to the normal store and got one of the ketchups, but it's only $14 for four of them. And they're usually not that much cheaper. It's just big and shiny and a lot. The only thing that I have found to truly be worth the value at a a wholesale place, medicine. Mm. Medicine is super discounted there. If I go, like, my, <laughs> I have allergies. My husband has allergies. Our dog has allergies. So we all take Zyrtec. My dog takes three Zyrtec pills a day. If I go to Walgreens, it's like $1.40 per pill. And if I go to the wholesale place, I can get a bottle of 365 Zyrtec for 11 bucks. Nope. That normally, that would have cost me more than $300. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, medicine, Flonase is like $7, $8 for one thing. I can get a year supply for 15 bucks okay. of the knockoff Flonase. So I'm like, medicine is truly valuable there. Uh, That's all I can really think of. That's truly valuable. Everything else that might be a discount that an average family, like I've got baby on my brain. So I'm like diapers, but they're not really discounted. The formula there is also not discounted. It's more of it, so it's less trips. You don't have to run to the store at 2 a.m., but I also don't want to push disposable diapers. We use cloth diapers at my house, so I don't even want to push that. So I was like, but the normal average family would go for disposable diapers, napkins, paper towel. They tear through that stuff, but uh, no, that's really all I got. Medicine is probably the the actual deal there. (laughs) Nothing else is really a true deal. Like you said, it's just a few cents off. It's just marketing. It's lots of something 
and people seem to get excited over lots of something. Now, I will tell you there was one time, COVID, where getting toilet paper in bulk was a fantastic steal. But the only thing I ever get from there now is delivered to Dabble. It, it, it basically supplies the cans of soda and the things that people buy here when they're doing events, and that's it. Because I, I don't even bother to get anything for the house. I, it took me a little while, but as I started to look at it and started to peel apart the embodied energy that is coming to me in these items, now I'm good. I'll pass. So here, here's a question that I'll pose to the both of you. Um, do you think these stores like the Amazon Fresh stores or the services like Akato, can, can they be can they be the answer to over consumerism? Like, do you think it would kind of help? people shop or consume less or do you think they too would eventually end up pushing people into purchasing more because of the sheer convenience now that you know they have to do even less of doing less than what they have to do right now impulse is reduced when it's not directly in front of you so when i buy online compared to when i'm in a store and maybe i'm selling myself out just a little bit here but i i get distracted and I pick up a few other things, and maybe my budget was $150. But when I get to the line and I put everything on there and it says $187, I'm like, oh, I did it again. But I buy it. Instead of going, no, take this back, take that back. Online, I check my cart and it says $187. And I went, yeah, I screwed up by more than almost 40 bucks. Hang on, let's go back through it. And I start pulling some things out that maybe I didn't want. It gives me a, a better opportunity. I'm not a person who generally buys things on site. I don't walk in and buy a car. I don't buy anything. I don't barely buy clothes on the first trip. Like everything has to be a thought process that if I do, I really want it. Or but do I, really I would need like it? To, to say when you're online placing a grocery order, you will also get suggested items. Yes, you do. Yep. They will now monitor all of your purchases use that to advance their algorithm and promote things that they're pretty sure you're going to like. My husband really likes Reese's. We always get regular coffee creamer. Suddenly Reese's coffee creamer showed up one day. Where'd this come from? He goes, it was suggested. I thought it was a good idea. So I added it to the car. Oh my God. That's a thing. I didn't that's even know that was a thing. And now you're going to go get it too. <laughs> yeah, in bulk. I know everybody gets creamed out. Hey, it's a limited edition. So you better hurry. Oh, <laughs> Another marketing tactic. <laughs> I know everybody gets creeped out by, you know, everything's listening to us for our marketing purposes. I love it. I no longer get ridiculous options that get thrown at me. Like every time I bought something, I would, for the next three months, I got sale items on things like I could have bought, but I bought this one instead. Now they at least listen to me and start throwing out the things I do. I, I, I didn't even know I wanted Reese's in my coffee, but I think I might. So yeah, I, I, I love the fact that. that I can't wait He's to a... see that ad on my Facebook later, actually. <laughs> I say you can use it to your advantage as a female dress pants do not come with pockets. Most pants do not come with pockets, but I can just talk into my phone looking for dress pants with pockets. <laughs> my phone is off. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just shouting it at my phone. And then within the next 24 hours, I've got seven different stores that offer dress pants with pockets. So you can use it to your advantage. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm telling you, at least you're seeing things that you want to see instead of whatever else they were showing you. But okay, let's take a look. So we've seen all these different ways we're distributing uh, far too much food to people right now, at least 40% too much food. Uh, now let's look at and say, 
how should food purchasing go? If we were going to create grocery stores, how would we do it? So let's just kind of go around the horn a little bit. I'm going to start with Rob. Local, regional, national. How would you envision this working? I really like the presentation at, at my little local market. Like they, they do things still kind of old school and where, you know, you can buy meat and they just wrap it in the paper and, you know, you can just carry it out with a little bit of twine around it and you're good to go. And, and they're like, hey, do you want it in a bag? And most times I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. Um, I, I love that. I like that idea. So if we could somehow find a way, I would like to say to find a way to have it so that, you know, the, the perishables at least are packaged with less packaging, but most, also, most of them come with packaging grew yeah, around it. Right. If, if we can somehow reduce that, I would like to see that. I would like to see a bit less of the, um, impulse things marketed at the you know the final boss aisle right before you get to checkout and i would like to see more of the necessities sort of like hey you you probably should really buy this sort of thing so instead of this kind of hodgepodge of a bunch of random things there consistent items each and every time reusable water bottles reusable bag like all in one spot like hey you might want to consider grabbing these for your next trip instead of like i said the hodgepodgey sort of things um i do i do like the fact that delivery services exist because they are wildly convenient but i'm going to steal your idea here i would love to see an option at least for you to say hey i only need one bag for an item you don't need to put you know my toothpaste and my mouthwash inside of three bags Yes, that has happened to me. I got toothpaste and mouthwash, triple bag. I shared my story about purchasing those shoes that were inside of three boxes, like finding a way to reduce what we use. And, and I'll be honest with you, this is a, a confession, Kaylin. I did not care about any of this stuff until I met Mike. And now I'm like, it's front of mind all the time. Like, how can I reduce this? So that, those are the things that I would like to see, you know, a, a more simplified shopping experience. Take the marketing out of it. Take the profit first mentality out of it and, um, you know, make make some some more sustainable changes. The, again, the reusable bags, the, the, the things that we need to buy or should buy instead of the hodgepodge disposable stuff. Yeah, but if you take the marketing out of it. And the really cool little knickknacks that they can make a lot of money off of, and the profit. Now they're all. That's how they close up. That's. I mean, that's that's what that's why they close. That's their. That that's, that's the their bread and butter. That's how they make their money. That's why milk is always at the back of the store. It's the number one item that I got to go buy every single week because I got kids, and I have to go all the way to the back of the store and pass by a whole lot of pretty shiny things on sale on my way back there. I got passed by the chip aisle. I got passed by the candy aisle. I got passed by the no-no aisle. <laughs> I got to go through all of it in order to get that milk. And so that's all the impulses screaming at me. It's it's all strategic, but that's how those places are still up and running and still making a profit compared to the mom and shop, mom and pop shops that are closing up. Unfortunately, that's the reality. I would love to see 
no more plastic or styrofoam. Like if I want to go get meat, I want to get fresh meat. I want to be able to bring my container and get fresh meat put into it. There is a lot of sanitation issues and I understand that. But if I ask for them to get rid of the styrofoam, then what are they going to put there? Because I'm bringing my containers, but the next person isn't and they also want meat. So how are they going to serve it? And you have to pay for meat by weight. So if they put it on a glass dish or a metal pan, or something heavier, now you're going to have that customer belly aching that they paid for this thing that they can't eat and it added weight. So it gets really confusing. Also with the, we were talking about like bulk where you can just um, fill up your flour, fill up your quinoa or your rice or your seasoning blends where you can go to the bulk station. It would be awesome if I could bring my own containers. Those are all usually priced per weight Mm -hmm. and that does get frustrating. It's too easy of a cheat system. Now, quick quiz time. <laughs> quick question. <laughs> Who here has gone to a bulk candy section and stolen a piece of candy? Everybody's raising their hand. Mike dropped his head. Really? You never did it? Rob I said wanted yes. to, though. I wanted to. <laughs> I've stolen a piece of candy. I, I used to be the notorious grape stealer. Like, oh, are these sweet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a roommate who would buy two bags of grapes. I should say they would put two bags of grapes in their cart, eat an entire bag of grapes, and then pay for the other one and totally thought that was logical. <laughs> and I said, but, but you ate, yeah, but I paid for a bag. And I said, but you ate a whole bag. Yeah, you you need to pay bag. for two bags. <laughs> so that's the, that's the part that gets frustrating. But some things that are realistic would be uh, something I like to promote is naked produce. You don't need bananas wrapped in a plastic and styrofoam dish. There's a lot of stuff that that could be served naked without plastic. Celery could come that way. It's always in a big plastic bag. Carrots are always in a big plastic bag. Like potatoes, like we we can do that without the plastic bags. We can just buy it naked. And those plastic bags, if you have a five pound bag of potatoes or or apples and one of them goes bad, the store now has to get rid of all of them because they cannot put their hands in there and remove the bad one. And now you still have, what, 19 good potatoes that is also getting thrown away. And so that frustrates me. Envisioning the future, I would love that all the food waste of the store, the things that are about to go bad or have faulted the criteria somewhere, like the bag of potatoes, they were all mandated to donate. I would Which love that. Which we see in other countries on a regular, yeah. Yeah, I think, did they pass it in California? It was up for debate. I think they passed it. The rest, the rest of the U.S. would be great if they could just get on board. That'd be awesome. So... We're talking about how do we manage the corporate side with the side we need for reality. But Rob was going, man, can't they just stop trying to screw us? No, absolutely not. That is, (laughs) there's college courses on how to do that. Okay, the whole industry. I took some of those classes. But what you can do is we had a big fight years ago about putting calories on things, right? That was a big fight. Companies and and manufacturers did not want to put those on there because they don't want you to know that if you eat this, it's your daily allowance because you had the Twinkie. And we do start to make, and I'm a big guy and I still make some of my decisions based on those numbers. What we could do is also require the kilogram per carbon equivalent right next to the calories because your little tchotchke keychain is coming from the other side of the planet and they have to account for the embodied energy that it takes to get it here too. So each item, and it it would take a while. People aren't just going to make changes. But I also didn't make changes the first time I saw calories. I thought it was like a game. I had to get the highest number, obviously. Um, You want the best bang for your buck there, I did, yes. I'm getting my, (laughs) 
I'm getting all the nutrients, which I've worked with other clientele just like you. <laughs> so I'm going for the Big Mac that's 800 calories because it's a dollar. I'm getting the most value. And I was yeah, like, that's oh, goodness. Horrible idea. <laughs> but it, but over time, I've actually started to see that differently, right? And then even past that, they tried to manipulate it by throwing in artificial sugars and different kinds of chemicals within it. I've learned those things. So now if you start putting the CO2 equivalent on each, now people see how much energy it took. It should say, here's my candy bar. My candy bar took this much energy. That's the same amount of energy to warm up 20 servings of noodles. Then you're going, "Mm." you know, it will take a little bit because it will take the marketing. The marketing will end up being, uh, we, we don't have that embodied energy. And what they'll do is they'll they'll produce locally. There'll be things, because, I mean, you don't understand is that if you pull an apple from your tree and you don't go out there and water it and you don't put pesticides on it, you do nothing but go out and pull an apple. The embodied energy of that apple is zero. The closer it comes from, the less energy that is embedded in it. So in Michigan right now, when you go buy apples, half of your apples are Michigan apples. The other half are from China. So you start with adding this label. And over time, if it, if it continues to go in, in the direction we are now, I think that cost should be aligned with CO2 per uh, equivalent because that's, like how, that. that's how we do everything. We just make it more expensive. Someone goes to something else. Obviously, we want people to go electric cars. Gas will go up. That's just how society works. We can look back in history. It's super easy to understand. Same thing applies here. You just take the thing that matters and make it out front and center so that people can make those judgments because nine times out of 10, people do want to do the right thing. Now they'll talk some trash, but when no one's looking, they want to do the right thing. We just have to tell them what it is. So they are doing something similar to that in Europe where they, um, they can rate the food. It's restaurants who are doing it. So it's not supermarkets, but it's restaurants who can say this meal is whatever carbon, uh, CO2 footprint, like this is your carbon emissions rating. It's like a scale that they have and they're doing it for the restaurants there, which is cool because then you can say this is all local. Therefore, this it's a one and we this is all local except for the cheese came from over here. So this is a two or a three and you can look at it and it's right beside the calories. It's what they're the CO2 footprint scale number is. We looked into it for our cafes here in the U.S total nightmare because it's all European stuff (laughs) (laughs) and for them it's a much smaller country it's in their country's local outside of it because the size of their one of their countries is like one of our states and here if I got a dull banana it could come from California it could come from Costa Rica it could come from Florida depending on what time of the year it is and what season is going to change the locations and we are getting ours from a distribution like Gordon Food Service or Cisco or Uh, Whole Foods, sorry, (laughs) drew a blank there. (laughs) Anyways, we're getting from different distribution centers and they are getting them from all over the place. So it ended up being a huge nightmare trying to get that on our menus. It sounded really nice and simple, but then the European company is like, well, we got to rewrite it for the U.S. And they're like, okay, if it's within the U.S., it's local. If it's without outside of the U.S., I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But like, 
we're here in Indiana. So something from Canada that's just right north of Michigan is actually closer than something from California. So you're going to have to, so they're rewriting. It's been a two-year process and we haven't really gotten anywhere on it because it's just been such a nightmare in terms of U.S. trying to do that. But I think doing it in a grocery store, because those manufacturers know exactly where all their products are coming from, there's less hats in the ring. You know what I mean? Like there's less... uh, less people, less steps involved, less middlemen involved. It's more direct. It's easier for them to figure out and trace where everything came from, all their ingredients are coming from. And they could easily do that. It is more realistic to put that on the grocery store than you think it is. It's that probably is going to come much sooner, which would be awesome. <laughs> well, and I so I spent time in Italy. And one of the cool things I like about what you're saying there, a lot of the restaurants, because remember, they're not open all day. They're open for like four hours in the afternoon and four hours at dinner. They quite literally get up in the morning and go to the market and decide what today's meals are going to be. Like they, you see them carrying in the bags. They usually have a, you know, a van or something, but they're shuffling it in just before dinner or lunch or lunch. And then they do it again at dinner. Like there's no storage really for food in a lot of those places. So what's cool about that is, is that is going to save their mom and their mom and pop restaurants who do that because the chains who are bringing things in from all over the world are going to show a way higher number. They're sitting in freezers using energy like crazy. So when they're forced to put that on there, that's going to be a very big number right next to the little old lady who has the pizza shop and goes and gets her stuff. And then in between lunch and dinner and quite literally, they make the dough. They make the noodles. Like they're seriously just sitting there making what will later be your dinner all day. So I like that idea. That keeps things regional. And I hope that if we can do this in grocery stores and stuff it, like this, it will make them want to buy more regional items. It will make them want to buy apples that aren't pre-bagged because that bag has a CO2 equivalent just being added with no extra value to the food. Those stupid oranges that are peeled and sitting on top of styrofoam and wrapped with PVC nastiness will never happen because no one will ever buy that, especially if the price gets attached to it. It'll be it'll be a $14 orange. And I think that's where if we want things to go the right way, people can still buy the things they want. They just find the ones that have that lower energy. It's not like we can't produce things everywhere in some way. And in some cases, maybe we don't get everything. Maybe convenience is seasonal. I love pineapple, and it's even better in Hawaii. I would much rather have it once a year than having crappy ones available all year and spending more on them. So I think it's I think there's ways to make this work. I think that only really works in, I say it only works in the, in the grocery stores that we're going to. Maybe it's not quite the same for the, the big global robots are doing it, but I think that it's very valuable locally. I love that idea too. And, and I, I also, I've noticed now whenever I buy certain products online, even that now baked into the cost of shipping, at least this this is what they're telling me they're charging me for. Who knows if it's real or not, but baked into the cost of shipping is now a um, carbon offset tax almost. So they charge you X amount of dollars or they add, you know, certain cents onto it to offset the carbon emissions of, of shipping that item to you. 
You know why? That was also where my brain was going. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you know why? Tell why? me. Because they're only allowed so many emissions. And what happens is, let's say automakers or any of these mass producing companies, including these big box stores, are only allowed to produce so many emissions unless they buy carbon credits to offset what they are using. Uh, what they have decided to do is say, mm, Rob will pay for it. So that's a pass-through tax. As They're I getting... have been. I have been paying for it. <laughs> they, yes. have, they have got us in the convenience fee yet again to pay their tax for being too aggressive in their emissions. Interesting. Interesting. I Yeah, I, I wish... And it's not even like it's an option either. It's like, yeah, hey, no, no, no. We're, we're going to charge you this much. So uh, thanks for supporting our cause to go green. The option was you could have gone and got it yourself or had it delivered. It's just, again, convenience right. is, the, is the largest enemy to sustainability, I think, in the world. Because it always seems the more convenient it is, the worse it is overall. Now, with that being said, and I will wrap us up here shortly, because if we don't, we're going to be doing this all night. And I think Kaylin's the sun is setting behind her. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the massive online purchase companies. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows me. I like robots. I think they're almost there. I think there needs to be three or four of these companies available because competition breeds... Uh, better pricing, and it's always better for the consumer. But it needs to be like some of those plants in other countries, the lights aren't even on. That, yes, you have these massive facilities, but they end up with a lower footprint. Those should have panels on the roofs. Those should be designed to be closer to net zero. And I know that's not a thing, but it's a fun term. And then having all these robots be very efficient in what they do can reduce. And some of those buildings are so large they may even be able to offset the vast majority of their of their carbon emissions. But I think the food itself has to state it. And it needs to be just as big, if not bigger, than the calories. And I think federal governments have to talk about it on a regular basis. They have to they have to sell us on on CO2 equivalent the same way they sold us on the food pyramid so that they could make money on the right things put that kind of effort into this labeling. That's what I would like to see. And I don't believe that robots make it worse. I think it does make it better and more efficient. And over time, they can become more and more efficient quicker because as more and more people order, it can either become a disaster or we can plan better. And with AI systems, we really can make sure deliveries fall within. Amazon's trying so hard. Remember the, hey, we'll give you $1 to get a video credit if you get this on a Tuesday because all of your neighbors order on Tuesday. At some point, they're not going to give you the credit. They're going to say your stuff's coming on Tuesday. They just sold us on next day, and now, we, now we're kind of spoiled. Again, <laughs> convenience. But they'll start having delivery you know, maybe twice a week. And we'll just start planning for those twice a week. So I do think there's room. To make it all better that big box stores are probably slowly dwindling and our kids will see them as a monument of human garbage you know like oh my goodness you guys had stores that big of just random stuff what were you 
freaking buying. You know, my son, I took him to a mall to get his uh, prom jacket. And he just looked around and went, what is this? Like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, yeah. Oh, it absolutely was. And I hung out here as a child all the time. (laughs) So it's starting to change. There is going to be some local stuff. I think that the local place will have more bulk that where you can either pick up their pre-weight containers or you can continuously bring yours back. And that a lot of things can be purchased in those ways. If I had the the opportunity, I would build it because I think that those there's so many people out there now that are conscious about it. The problem is, is that we're stuck in a place where everything is wrapped in plastic and you get snow blind to it. Yes, carrots are in a bag, but how would they market that their carrot is better than someone else's carrot? Yep, that's what I was going to say. The freaking <laughs> carrot. <laughs> like, your carrot was a root plant the same as theirs. You know, uh, we don't need as much as what we have. In, a, in the United States, we expect to have 14 options of potatoes. Those can be seasonal, too. You know, it's, it's a lot of different ways to manage this. But I, I do believe we can root it out in time, and and that is by punishing or or penalizing is probably a better word for choices. You're going to get a label that has a higher number when you do silly things. Either find a better way to market or sell less because you're that your number is too high. I think that is the biggest pro positive thing with online ordering is that now there is a way to label stuff. Health food, healthy food like plants, just apples, carrots, potatoes, bananas, those are great but they don't have a marketing team behind them. They don't have a package and a nutrition label explaining how wonderful, how they're high in vitamin A or higher potassium, great in fiber, how they help lower cholesterol. But Cheerios does, you know, it's got a label on there. So everybody's buying Cheerios to lower their cholesterol. I'm like, all the fiber in these plants is also beneficial. Um, but, But it's the packaged items. Even the box of instant mashed potatoes or the instant mashed potato packet, the plastic packet, it's got a label explaining how great and wonderful potatoes are. The regular potatoes also just as wonderful, <laughs> but it doesn't have a label explaining how wonderful it is. So the processed foods, which is heavily packaged, sells more quickly because they have an advertising team behind them. Nobody owns the right to a potato or a banana, so they're not going to make as much money as if they modify it and package it. Now they can put, they own this, they have their patent on it, they get to make money off of it. It's frustrating, but that's marketing at its finest yet again. It is. And I it fall is. Fall for it every time. <laughs> Rob so if we do still... it all online, we can have a little description right there in words underneath the little picture of the apple explaining how great and wonderful it is. Maybe more people will eat healthy. <laughs> right. Rob is still disappointed that he bought the shoes made from sea plastic and found that there was way more embodied energy in the whole process than than what he had hoped. Just destroyed me. Like I'm doing good for the planet. Oh wait, no, I'm not. <laughs> This I think that's what? called greenwashing. That's yes. what they just did to you. They yep. fooled you. They All do right. it to everybody. Heartily. <laughs> so, Kaylin, one of the things that is popular on your show is a challenge. So oh, yeah. Gonna, so we're going to have to do the challenge before we wrap up in our world's longest show. That's what we get because we, we don't talk enough, and then we turn it into like a two-hour show. <laughs> so would you like to start? Who do you want to start? Well, do you want to do our fun game or do you want to do the challenge to the audience that rob brought to the table all right well i want to do our fun game 
Okay, let's do the fun game first. Okay, did I sound whiny? Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so today's challenge amongst us is two truths and a lie. And you can play along at home, too. So we're going to take turns and make three statements. Two truths and a lie, not necessarily in that order. I will go first and make my statements of facts. And Rob and Mike have to figure out which one is the lie. You guys ready? I'm ready. I've been all right. I've trained all Let's morning. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Statement number one. The very first Earth Day is an acronym, Earth, E-A-R-T-H, for Environmental Awareness of Resources and Threatened Habitats. Statement number two. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch was discovered by a racing boat captain. Statement number three. It takes one half million five hundred thousand trees each week to produce the Sunday paper. Which one is the lie? So can we just like talk some of it out? How yeah, does this work? go for you, it. Yeah, if you want to. So I, I'm thinking about this garbage patch thing, right? That is not something you can see very well from the surface. You know, NASA had us all fooled that you could see it from space, but that was kind of like if it was all on the water, that's not how it is. If you're sitting in the garbage patch in a boat, you only see a few things here and there. So that's one thing. Now, the acronym for Earth, and that's what, 1970? That would have been right after the the picture in my living room of, of Earthrise. Yes, I do have a, a two-foot by three-foot canvas my wife has to deal with of Earthrise. I, again, nerd. I don't know what to tell everybody. But <laughs> I don't remember an acronym. I remember Earth. You know, that was the first moment we saw Earth all, all, all sitting out by itself and so fragile and alone. But I don't remember an acronym. So I, now I've got two of these things. Now, how much you want to bet the third one is the one that's the lie? And I'm dwelling on these. Rob, what do you got? What do you think? I was I was thinking, you know, with the garbage patch specifically, like something that large, like, yeah, if, if you're in it, you're probably not going to notice that it's that large because you're you're in it like yeah you're gonna see trash all over the place but you won't know the scale of it um i was actually thinking that and i i hope i really sincerely hope that the uh half a million trees to produce the sunday paper is the lie because that is just that is moderately depressing yeah but the <laughs> sunday paper is like it comes to you in a book. There's a kid with some serious legs dropping these things off. Okay. These are heavy. And they arms. have He's got to chuck them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have to throw them. I, I suggest switching arms to kind of keep it even. But I, I know there's a lot I'm gonna, of people. I'm going to go the with the. Paper. I'm going to go with the Sunday paper as, as a lot. Like I just, to try to hopefully restore faith in humanity that we are not killing that many trees for the Sunday paper. I'm going to say that that one's a lie. All right. Well, uh, humans like acronyms. So I'm going to assume that that happened and I just didn't know because I was born in 76 and it just kind of faded away over time. It just became Earth Day. I'm going to go with, the boat captain who discovered the great garbage patch all right you are both wrong earth ah. acronym is false <laughs> i knew there was no acronym <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness it. so i tried i tried 
Mm-hmm. Man, I All was right. hoping I'd throw you off with the racing boat, Captain. Be like, obviously, <laughs> scientists discovered it. No, it was so the scientists, like oceanographers, climatologists, they all predicted the existence of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. But it was the racing boat captain by the name of Charles Moore who actually discovered the trash vortex. And he was sailing from Hawaii to California after competing in a yachting race. And during his cross, he and his crew noticed millions of pieces of plastic all surrounding his ship. So he wow. was the first one to discover it. And unfortunately, it is 500,000 trees. God. Half a million trees are cut down to produce the Sunday paper each week. Uh, is that still now? Do people subscribe still online. Is that still today? That's, do people still get papers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Because they have coupons in them. I used to be a couponer. I actually got, at that point in time, I was not sustainability focused, but I would get two Sunday papers every week to get the coupons because in Florida, you had a buy one, get one free deal. So you'd have a coupon for the buy one and a coupon for the get one free. And now you got two bottles of ketchup for 25 cents total. Now that, you just push the, But now you just push the button. The button. Yeah, and I just, yeah, no coupons online. So if you've got couponers, yeah, they're getting like multi, depending on the size of your family, you're going to be getting multiple Sunday papers to get all the coupons for the deals. That That's my world. Anyways, there are lots of other people who get the Sunday paper for other things, but my it's goodness. insane. It's all the ads that are in the Sunday paper. That's like, that's the bulk. That's the bulk of the book. It's <laughs> all the ads. This it's big. marketing at its finest. <laughs> the recurring theme we have going on here. All right. Who gets to go next? Uh, I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Uh, I went with some kind of interesting, uh, statistic related things. So I do um, like numbers. All right. Well, not specifically numbers, just statistical you have statistics with letters. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, cause I typed them up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So, um, here we go. Statement number one. Water cans, aluminum water cans, are better for the environment than water bottles, plastic specifically. Statement number two, brands that market more sustainable products have more loyal customers, meaning more repeat customers loyal to that brand. Statement number three, here's your number, Mike. 42% of online sustainability claims have been found to be either false, deceptive, or exaggerated. Which one of those is the lie? Oh, man, if it's the online claims, maybe mine all could have been false. I don't know. (laughs) Because I got all my facts online. (laughs) Well, 48% of CEOs in major companies in the United States have already admitted that their their claims are exaggerated at minimum, that greenwashing is a part of their marketing department. Okay. So I, those I, are I the feel ones that admitted it. That, that's the, yeah, those are just <laughs> the ones that admitted it. So I'm feeling kind of comfortable with that one at the moment. Me now, too. Not exactly. comfortable. I guess I'm saying that wrong. I'm angry at them, but I think it's right. And then we have, your bottles versus cans cans yep so cans have a plastic liner it's a food grade plastic liner so when you get a pop can the coke can pepsi can whatever inside it has a food grade plastic liner but 
it is 100% recyclable still because that it, the, the aluminum, once you've made aluminum, which, by the way, is a very high embodied energy, uh, can be recycled much easier than creating new. So I still believe that the can is, even though there is plastic in it, better than a plastic bottle. And that what was we, my thought as well. And what were you, and you said it was, it is better? Yes. Aluminum uh, cans are better than the plastic bottles. Okay. And what was my number two again? Brands that market more sustainable products have more loyal customers. Okay. I am fairly certain that is also true. So there's something I'm missing with the plastic bottles and the cans because I, or, or you did a bad thing and just barely changed a number. <laughs> You know, you yeah, maybe it was 48%. He changed it to 42%. Right, right. So read his face. Are yeah. you turning red? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You never, you I would, don't know you was, well enough to know what your tells are. Because <laughs> I, I do believe. I will say this much. If I were blushing, you would never tell. You would never. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that sustainability advocates are really quite loyal to brands that they have found that have fit the niche. And I know that simply but, from this show. But if you're selling a sustainable product that is sustainable, like um, you would only have to buy it once, right? Because it would be a reusable product. You wouldn't have to keep going back and buying it over and over. You would hope, but they would promote it. So, yeah. I mean, th there's that. I'm going to have to say that you probably played some numbers games, and I'm going to go with that number three that maybe you fudged a number because you were in a hurry. Okay. I'm going to go with the bottles and cans because I feel like that was too easy. Okay. Like, we're, we're obvious, it stands out to me. Obviously, it's cans are better because they're easily recycled and plastic bottles are all over the place and part of all the Pacific Island, the, <laughs> geez, I just lost the word. <laughs> the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. There we go. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm going to just go because that was too easy. That's got to be your, I don't know. What is it? What is That's it? Gonna, okay. So, to address the the number, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, the, we'll just call it the situation. Controversy. The number controversy. 42% uh, is actually right. 42% of online sustainability claims have been found to be false, deceptive, or exaggerated. Okay. So that, that is... I'm 0 for 2. I'm hanging... Kaylin, every time we do this, I am terrible. <laughs> Don't worry, man. I'm, I'll be right there with you. I don't think I'm going to get one right either. Um, brands that um, market more sustainable products do indeed have more loyal customers. The cans, <laughs> and there's this. This is the one where you should have called out the technicality. Uh, and you were actually, you were right there. Um, so I found this online. So this could be part of that 42%, by the way. <laughs> Uh, but um, studies have shown that while aluminum is easier to recycle than plastic, cans can be just as damaging because the cans are made with 30% non-recyclable material. As demand and marketing, Kaylin, as the marketing and demand <laughs> for more aluminum products continue to grow and continue to boom, aluminum products are being produced more therefore causing more non-recyclable materials to be used and added in those products. So the best practice for everybody out there is to simply use a reusable bottle instead. 
or make sure aluminum gets recycled because there'll be a bell curve at some point because uh, the amount of embodied energy in aluminum, recycled aluminum, is marked is very low in comparison to smelting bauxite and creating aluminum. So once there's enough in the market per se, and that it's always being brought back, it is a 98% uh, recyclable product. Then you can make your answer wrong. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. Like Reusable it. containers are the way to go. Yeah. Another it's thing really I hard picked to up buy from convenience Mike. in a reusable. <laughs> if you if you need a can a package of cans to go i think my husband i i'm just thinking in my head my husband drinks a lot of beer um i don't mean that in a bad way sorry that came out wrong he's not an alcoholic but he does enjoy his beer <laughs> i did at least get him to convert to local beer <laughs> but it all comes in cans <laughs> or glass bottles mm -hmm. so reusable doesn't really work um, well i guess we tried the growler thing all that happened was our kids broke it and we're like well that was really expensive to not get right. it refilled so right. that, that also did not work <laughs> There was there was a little bit more into that answer as well, Mike, like they I just I didn't want to go into the, you know, it was legit eight paragraphs long <laughs> finding that out. But there's more to it than just a can itself. Most of the time when you're buying cans that are in packs, six packs, eight packs, 12 packs, they are also in encapsulated. Case. Exactly. In some yeah. sort of plastic and some or hand sort of cuffed in little plastic handcuffs. Exactly. Yep. So that's that's where that comes from. Okay. All right. Well, I can't get this one wrong. Yeah, you <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go, Rob. We're up. Let's do it. All right. So first things first. Beef has a lot of embodied energy. Can you get my theme today? Because I I talked about embodied energy all day. <laughs> the only building material that has more embodied energy than beef is aluminum. Next, advanced geothermal energy comes from fracking. And last, a drippy water faucet that drips one time per second uses 165 gallons of water. That is as much as a person would use in their home for two weeks. Wow. Sounds awfully specific. So I feel like the dripping faucet's accurate. <laughs> Unless you change the numbers by two. <laughs> right, right. Did you change the numbers by like one gallon there? <laughs> but that one's very specific. So I feel like that one's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, then it was a geothermal fracking and aluminum is more energy than a cow. Why are you shaking your head over there, Rob? <laughs> you you are just you're the worst. These are tough. <laughs> we me and Kaylin are throwing out like these really fun things. I am like, 0 for two. <laughs> audience Actually, at home. Audience at home. I would like to phone a friend. Right. <laughs> Actually, I'm 0 in. for four if we go through all the oh, times I've, I've got to hang out with Kaylin. <laughs> <laughs> I, part of me wants to be sneaky and cheat and flip over a second browser tab just so I can look it up. But my hands are right here. That. I'm not cheating. You can right. see my hands. <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't do that. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the same strategy that made me wrong in Kaylin's question, and that's, that's following my gut. And I'm going to say that there is no way that aluminum creates more embodied energy than cows. Because the beef industry is massive. 
Now, is it I one think... aluminum can versus one cow, or is it the whole industry versus industry? It is industry versus industry, but it's by it's by CO two equivalent, so kilogram by CO two equivalent, so they even it out that way. Oh my gosh, cows are like they're like chopping down rainforests to make pastures for cows, right? And then we're also digging up the earth to get the aluminum. <laughs> Do we chop it down or we dig it up? Which one's worse? <laughs> this is why I say Mike's Mike's the worst. <laughs> these are these are too difficult. No, I I'm sticking with that one though. I think, um, and, and maybe I missed. Did I did I hear that correctly? That you that you said aluminum is uses more embodied energy than cow. Okay, I that's the lie. I'm going with. I'm sticking with it. All right, Final answer. I'm I'm Team Rob. I'm I'm going with him. I'm letting nope. him lead. All right. So first things first, Drippy Fawcett numbers are dead on. I didn't play that game. I can't okay. criticize you for doing it and then do it myself. That's just wrong. <laughs> Number two. Well, we'll do it this way. You're both correct. Yay! The, kilo, uh, the kilogram of CO2 equivalent for beef is 15.5. The CO2 equivalent for aluminum is actually 8.2. Way oh. lower than wow. beef. Okay. beef. I don't beef, have to feel so bad about using aluminum product. <laughs> Reynolds wrap all the way. Okay. So, <laughs> beef is the worst in, in the whole meat industry by three times mm -hmm. and it even crushes building materials that is all part of my earlier discussions i had today but beef is absolutely by far the worst now as for advanced uh geothermal i was very slightly sneaky because advanced is the word there mm -hmm. there's shallow and then there's advanced Shallow geothermal does not frack. It just takes heat near the surface where advanced geothermal does fracture the bedrock. No different than what they do for oil or gases and, and, and fossil fuels. They just oh. they just pump water down into those fractured lines. a lot lines. of money for this geothermal thermal system for our house. And I was like, oh my gosh, if this would end up being like worse, I'm going to feel so awful right now. I can't undo that. That was way too much work and money to, to undo that. Thank you. Good. All right. I can, yeah. I can sleep well on my pillow. Yes. I yes. So there's that. multiple kinds. So uh, that is what I had. And again, like I said, and I'm not the worst. That is not horrible you guys got it right <laughs> we had to we had to kind of band together the strength of unity is what got us through that one that was a tough one though <laughs> All right. well i think this kind of oh wait 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 we have a challenge for listeners oh yeah 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 i'll, I'll throw it out there i'll be super quick um so for you listeners out there uh so we are going to invite you to strengthen your sustainability resolve. We are going to uh, you know, try to try get you to practice a little more sustainable shopping. So what I would like to ask, a call to action, we discussed it earlier in the show, um, just try to be more mindful when you are doing your grocery shopping. So for example, if you yourself are out shopping, not a shipped shopper, um, try to grab those reusable bags, bring those with you each and every time so that you are reducing the amount of plastic out in the wild. Um, if you happen to need or bring home plastic bags, try to repurpose those for trash can liners and find other uses for them in your home. 
um, reduce the embodied energy of those bags, reuse them. You can't really recycle a whole lot because they don't recycle. Well, what is it? Eighty percent of the world's plastic has never been recycled. So ninety. Uh, no, okay. There we go. See truth and a lie. <laughs> Numbers guy. Um, secondly, this one is the most difficult, I think, personally, um, but also the one that would be um, most beneficial. And that is don't buy the things that you don't need. Help reduce the waste. Don't get caught in the marketing ploy of the companies. Get what you need. Get out of there and get home and um, try to reduce your trips if you can as much as possible. Grab everything that you need in that one trip um, and stick to your list. Don't don't buy the stuff that you don't need. Lastly, you find yourself richer that way too. Exactly. <laughs> this one I stole from Mike. My last point. Think about it. And what I mean by that is, as long as you think about sustainability, you're already going to be making more well-informed choices. If you're not thinking about it, if you don't care about it. Of course, you're not going to ma- it won't matter if you have 62 plastic bags in the back of your car. But if you're thinking about sustainability, you're thinking about making the right choices, more likely to make better decisions by keeping sustainability in mind. So that's it. That's my challenge to you all. Be more mindful, do the right thing, make good choices. I'm going to piggyback on your grocery store thing. Do Just it. remember when you're buying produce even though they have a massive roll of plastic bags every four feet, it's not a requirement. They put those there and somehow we built the culture that everything must go with those bags. They don't. What's great. The next time you go shopping, put all of your produce where like the child would usually sit and watch everybody stare at you. (laughs) Or bring reusable produce bags. Yes. The hemp sacks or the the nets. Yes. But it is fun to just pile it there. Because first of all, people will look at you funny when you're walking around the grocery store, like like you have never been here before. Maybe you're an alien. And then when you go through the line, the nice lady who rings them up also has a lot of confusion. <laughs> Rolling all over the place because I was that person before I figured out the reusable produce bags. <laughs> Every time the belt goes, pick, apples, oranges are all over. <laughs> pick your canned goods and your cereal boxes and make a corral. No, I did not do that. <laughs> I just wanted to add that to that's a good idea (laughs) well first of all thank you both very much this is going to be the world's longest show i think uh i'm going to do some editing and i think this is a video that could probably even make it out because kaylin has the super cool background you got like a rave going on um yeah we're i think your game on your background mike it's we got back your beer steins (laughs) <laughs> it's a nasa cup and a university of michigan cup uh group, that's fine group. i just was trying to figure out what it was nasa glasses from the 70s right here nice anyway so before we close up we have to of course everybody has to say who they are where they're from and where to find you rob go ahead go first because you got this down to a science oh you know it brother i am rob aka robbie diesel from the curated culture i am the guy that talks everything pop and tech and uh society culture all those fun things so when you need a nerdy fix look me up at robbie diesel on the tweets on the instagrams on the snapchats on the TikToks, all over the place uh, look me up on thecuratedculture.com, or you can follow the uh, brand via at 
the curated culture on Facebook and Instagram or at underscore curated culture on Twitter. All right, Kaylin, good luck with. Uh, yeah, I was like, wow, I'm not nearly as rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> I am Kaylin Chenoweth from Starting Sustainability. You can find the podcast everywhere you can find podcasts about all podcast players it's available we also have a pretty cool website starting sustainability.com if you want to join our facebook group starting sustainability that is probably the best way to get a hold of me and jump in on the conversation what do we talk about with starting sustainability how to get started all the simple stuff don't make it more complicated than it needs to be we're all in this journey together and i definitely have failed multiple times and i will share the stories with you so you don't have to incur encounter the frustrations that i did and hopefully life will be much simpler and easier for you <laughs> thank you so very much i'm mike and you already found me so i don't have to say all the things it's down in the bottom in the description so Thank you both very much, because I think we've been kind of chatting now for about two hours. Uh, you probably edit this down to like an hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. one would hope. One would hope. Uh, <laughs> the video won't. The video won't. I don't edit videos. So uh, thank you so much, Caitlin. We got to do this again and not wait a year so that our show is a normal length. And do this. We got to find a way to do this like every year because it's so much fun. Yeah, I like this. This is great. But thank you all for stopping in, taking your time, or double your normal time, to listen to us talk. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you want to help Realistic Sustainability, five-star reviews. I get warm and fuzzy when I see them, and I always like to read them. So, uh, Oh, yeah, you can add reviews to me, too. Yep. Yeah, to any or curated <laughs> Rod culture. As well. yep, yes. yes. <laughs> we all like them. All the stars. Every one of them. <laughs> Uh, or leave comments, send us messages. We like the interaction. So I'm going to stop saying me and start saying we. Also, just a reminder to everybody, uh, start. Uh, we started a Patreon for Realistic Sustainability. We've moved away from using the Spotify version so that we can actually interact more with individuals. We have different things that we can do. Nick is now putting out recipes uh, every month for subscribers and as more people filter in, we're going to start putting in chunks of which shows should be next, where everybody on there can start picking who's going, what show we're going to do. So thank you for those of you who've already joined. Just as a reminder, you're ob absolutely not obligated, but we do have a $1 per month if you just want to be involved and you'll still get to vote. So all of you, thank you so much for listening. And my guest, you guys rock every single time. Thank you again. And remember, everybody, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye.